All right, Analex 1.7. This time is Zishia speaking. Zishia said, if someone cares for worthy character more than beauty, exerts himself in utterly in serving his parents and extends himself to his utmost in serving his Lord, and who makes good on his word in interacting with colleagues and friends, even if others claim that such a person was unschooled, I would insist that this person was educated indeed. So the overall point is rather straightforward. Education isn't about degrees or getting A's or going getting into uh, the Ivy League or having a PhD so that people have to call you doctor in social settings. It's not about these things. Ultimately, the purpose of education is to be a good person. And so if you can be somebody who already is the kind of person to elevate virtue over physical beauty, to be very sincere and serving his parents, his community, and his Lord, and do what's right by his friends and his colleagues. This is what's important. So education is about these intangible things. It's not to get money, it's not to get a job. And therefore, when you go out there into the world and you see Dr. So-and-so or Professor such-and-such, and, uh, or you see this guy, he graduated from Harvard or Stanford or wherever, there's no need to be in awe, there's no need to be envious. Is this guy smart? He's probably smart. But being intelligent is not really what a human being is about. This is something that people misunderstand about what makes a human being a human being. What makes a human being different from animals? What makes a human being more important and valuable than an animal? It's not an intelligence. And it shouldn't be. You know, um, you can approach this from many directions. There are some people, they are very intelligent, but they care not for other people. We call them psychopaths or sociopaths. Now, they're not necessarily highly intelligent. Some of them are actually very low intelligence, uh, have very low intelligence. But, um, you know, if we look at such persons, not only can, not only will we abhor to call them virtuous, we wouldn't and we shouldn't even consider them to be human beings because human beings care for others. They have these relations. Um, human beings are about human virtue. That's what human being, that's a, that's a real value. That's the real worth of a human uh, being is that he has virtue. He has, um, well, let's, let's talk about the difference between human beings and animals, okay? so. Um, the two things that people commonly mistake human beings 
uh, as being different from animals uh, is that human they, they would say that human beings are compassionate and intelligent now it's true that human beings are more intelligent and more on average uh, compassionate than animals but if you actually look at a lot of animals uh, particularly mammals they have these traits as well intelligent animals include elephants dolphins um, some apes, uh, some of the ape family, um, and birds, uh, particularly um, particularly covids like uh, ravens, crows. Uh, they're pretty intelligent. They can even solve some puzzles uh, to get to food, and and um, they have social connections. Um, furthermore. Elephants and dolphins uh, have been found helping human beings, taking care of wounded human beings or vulnerable human beings, human beings that are drowning or human beings that maybe are injured or um, dehydrated even. And we see examples of um, these traits in animals. Uh, you know, dogs, um, dogs can be very loyal. Uh, we know that um, and generally, uh, you know, a lot of people get the sense that dogs are a lot more loyal than the, the average human being. And I think actually this is one reason why people like pets. And uh, we have this trend these uh, last few decades, people adopt pets, but they don't have their own children. If you really think about it, raising a small child and um, raising a small pet uh, with, you know, the extent that a lot of people go through today, like, you know, all this vet veterinarian care and shots and animal health insurance and so forth, um, you're actually ending up spending just as much time and money as you would in raising a single child. Um, and when you kind of think about it, one of the major differences is that the, um, the, the, the cat or the dog, the dog especially, is not really capable of rebelling um, against you or disappointing you the way that a human child might when they grow up. Now, yeah, there's also this kind of matter of, um, you know, it's college is expensive, but, um, you know, that's not true for all countries that college is this expensive. So why is it that in places like Europe or places in Asia where college is either free or, um, or at least um, very, um, a lot cheaper than, uh, you know, a lot cheaper than other countries, um, or in other words, you could say it's uh, it does cost money, but not very much. Why is it in even those countries you have people adopting um, pets into their homes and raising them and taking care of them and spending money, uh, spending time on them and, take, and spending all this money on them as if they were their own children? Why do we have this phenomenon? I would say that it's because uh, they don't want to actually end up being disappointed um, uh, by their own children. And I would say that this doesn't really have to do with financial situations, um, or, but rather more about the culture which encourages young persons to be rebellious and to not care for their parents. And so if you or yourself are, you know, the offspring um, who is generally rebellious and unloving to your own parents, then you kind of understand that about yourself. 
uh, maybe subconsciously or intuitively. And so you expect that from your own children. And so you tell yourself you don't want to have children. So people with bad relationships with their own parents, I, in my observation, tend to not also want children themselves. That's something to really think about. But going back to this idea um, of what really makes human beings different from animals, yes, we're more intelligent, we're typically more compassionate, but that's not actually what categorically makes us different. Categorically means um, that it's not a difference of degree. You know, in other words, animals simply have no capacity, whereas we do have the capacity. And what would I say about that here? I would say two things. Um, two things make us categorically different from animals. One is a sense of awe. The other is a sense of beauty. A sense of awe and a sense of beauty. A sense of awe has to do with our ability to respect, to hold somebody in esteem, and to be in awe of that person or thing. And our sense of beauty is our ability to look at something and find spiritual joy in it. I'm not talking about a sense of beauty like, oh, I found this really handsome uh, guy or this really beautiful woman and I'm enamored. I'm not talking about that. I'm not even talking about uh, something like um, becoming um, enamored by the, the sight of gold because it indicates wealth. Those are not the things I'm talking about with a sense of beauty. What I mean by a sense of beauty, and this will make more sense to you when we, as you continue, as we continue making our way through the analects and we study ritual propriety, the Chinese word for that is li, um, it'll make more sense to you. But for the time being, think of beauty as something that spiritually uplifts you, that spiritually uh, brings you joy. So the sight of a family, your, your own family, enjoying each other's company, laughing happily, um, and there's just a lot of love, that is something that is beautiful. Um, you know, a, a really beautiful wedding ceremony, for example, is more than just a lot of pretty flowers being there and a really elaborately woven long wedding dress. It's more than that. It's the way that the husband and the wife or the you know, bride and groom look at each other. Um, it, it could be the words in a poem uh, that can really move someone's heart, bring them to tears. Whenever you see or if yourself have experienced um, crying, or weeping or um, cheering up, not because of something that's upsetting or heartbreaking, but something that is joyful. That's a moment of beauty. That's what I mean. And um, animals don't seem to have the capacity for this. They don't seem to be able to understand beauty. So. These two things are a capacity for beauty, for experiencing beauty, and a capacity for awe slash respect. These two things come together in some very uniquely human actions, such as music. Um, human beings produce music 
and human beings can shed tears when listening to very good music, and human beings can even dance to music. That's different from when a bird chirps. A bird chirps seems to be a communication method. Uh, when, you know, I, I think I've seen one clip where a monkey kind of moves back and forth and, you know, claps his hands to some beat. That's still not a demonstrating appreciation of music. We don't know if there's just kind of a intrigue about this kind of rhythmic pattern that he's detecting. Um, so the ability to experience beauty is something that we see when, you know, people create poetry, read poetry, shed tears at poetry. Um, when people engage in ceremonies, rituals, you know, it's, it's something that they um, typically bring in something that is physically nice, like nice flowers or whatever in these rituals. But that's not the essence of the rituals. The essence of the rituals is not just about having these flowers there being displayed. Uh, so the, the ability to experience meaning and beauty, and all this is tied together, and we don't really see this in animals. Um, religion, the practice of religion, is, is an expression of awe and a sense of beauty and respect all put in together. Whether the religion is true or not is besides the point. You know, you could be uh, a staunchest atheist, you believe that human beings uh, were in a sense inevitable, you know, that human beings evolved out of um, self-replicating strands of DNA, um, out of unicellular organisms. You could believe all that, but you can't deny that human beings tend to be religious. And uh, one way to, a limited way to look at that is that, oh, they're just being superstitious, you know, or they have no better way to explain things. But if you really observe religion from a anthropological lens, you'll see that it actually provides a sense of beauty and meaning in life, as well as a way to express awe as to all the wondrous and beautiful things out in the world for human beings experience, not just physically, but also spiritually as well. So there's this kind of need to explain that. Um, I think Buddhism probably comes closest to a um, atheism, um, a kind of non, uh, let me put it this way, it's, it's a religion that is not oriented around the notion of gods or super, supernatural powers, although it does recognize the existence of um, a kind of god, um, kinds of gods, and um, it does recognize supernatural ability. For example, when we're talking about you know the Bodhisattva and what they can do, but it's not the at the center of um, its way of understanding. Um, what's at the center of it is this kind of uh, spiritual life um, that does engage in some sort of um, expression at um, at awe. Or let me put it in a little bit better way. Um, the ability to have a feeling of awe as to what a human being can feel is really essential for somebody to even embark on a path, on the goal of enlightenment to begin with. 
Now, from a Confucian perspective, a Ru philosophy perspective, um, Buddhism does not really, um, let me put it this way, historically, um, Ru scholars are at odds with Buddhism. So I'm not endorsing Buddhism here, but I'm what I'm trying to say here is that religions, even religions that are um, as far away from the notion of worshiping a god as you can get, like Buddhism, even these kinds of religions, um, they do engage in some sort of sense of awe from the human being. So when we look at things like religion, ceremony, um, eating etiquette even, the etiquette that you have at the dining table, the etiquette that you get from going to a fancy restaurant, the um, kinds of behaviors and dress that is expected at a wedding, at a funeral, all of these things are that which the human being does. On the other hand, um, dogs, uh, cats, elephants, they may be capable of picking up objects, they may be capable of digging, but I don't know of a single species that buries its dead. I know of species like elephants, when they go to elephant graveyards, where they're they have this memory of fellow elephants where they died and maybe they see the skeletal remains, then they seem to express some sadness. So animals do have emotion, but they don't have this kind of sense of beauty, this sense of awe and respect. If you combine a sense of beauty and a sense of awe and respect, you get, and then you cultivate that, you do something with that, then you get Lee, racial propriety. You get things like ceremony, etiquette, you also get things like uh, poetry and songs. You get culture. So whenever I see a human being and this human being has no sense of respect for himself or others, and this human being has no sense of beauty, then is this person really all that different from an animal?